right, everyone. Welcome back to Creative Fuse, your favorite local podcast from Dalton's own H2B Creative. We hear stories from local entrepreneurs, creatives, business owners, and storytellers. Today, we have Louis Farnell, owner of The History Company. That is correct. Okay. Uh, here in the studio. So why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself, The History Company, and kind of your history behind it? <laughs> yes, behind yeah. The History Company. So... Yes, my name is Louis Varnell, uh, and the business is the History Company, but there's also an additional uh, business museum sort of thing inside our location as well called the Southeast Veterans Museum. Okay. So we're both a store and a museum, and, uh, and so we do military history, military antiques, uh, we do reenacting equipment, do a little bit of everything, basically Revolutionary War up to yesterday. That's kind of cool. How did you get involved in this? Um, I, I would love to say there was some awesome backstory to this, but it, it really is that I was just a little history nerd my entire life. Um, my dad was a World War II Marine, and so I was fascinated by that. And so initially, all I wanted was a helmet like my dad had worn in World War II. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then it became, well, here's a canteen, and, and here's a backpack, and here's this. And then once you become known as that weird little kid that likes Army stuff— people give you things oh yeah and you know because they're cleaning out their closet and let's give it to the kid over here and so it grew into a collecting focus uh primarily and i was a uh, i had become a school teacher i had initially gotten a degree in graphic design illustration oh wow uh, right in the middle of a recession when there were plenty of jobs Mm -hmm. in that Mm -hmm. uh went into teaching and of course i was teaching history and i would take all the items out for the kids um the the business thing just sort of came along as an accident yeah i honestly think that from my experience and from talking to a bunch of people that's often the best way to do it because you're not like you just continue to do something that you're already doing and that you really enjoy and then it just kind of evolves and you're like oh i can i can kind of make some money doing this or there's enough other people that like want to be a part of it. Yeah, it. I mean, it, it is sort of an odd thing. In my case, um, I left teaching at what I thought was going to be temporarily to take care of my parents as they had gotten older and in ill health. And my wife had been teaching in our system longer than I had, so it would have been silly to have had her leave. I only had, I think at that point, two years in that particular school system. Yeah. So I left, was taking care of mom and dad on the farm, and basically just needed to feel like I was still working. You know, I mean, I think guys especially, you identify as what you do for a living, and all of a sudden I wasn't doing anything. Uh, So I started the business in a little 700-square-foot building, just figuring it would be something to do, uh, never expecting it to succeed or grow. Cool. And yet it did. (laughs) So what if, like, your average Joe just kind of walks in and they're like, what... Like, tell me what your store is about and and the museum. Like, you kind of said history from yeah. way back until now. But, like, if they walk in, like, what are the things that you would specifically want to point out to them? So, the reaction of most people when they walk in is to stand there for a minute and blink a couple of times. I think that's my reaction like, to most places. Wow, you have a lot of stuff in here. And, <laughs> mm-hmm. I, and I usually will say yes. And I know where about half of it is at any given time. Uh, but if you were to come into our store, the the 
first part of the store, because obviously we've expanded from that 700-square-foot cabin. We ended up buying another building, so I think we're about 2,500 square foot of, of wow. military goodness now. Yeah. Uh, but when you first walked into the, to the main part of the store, that's where our military antiques, reenacting equipment... Uh, we carry military toys, so like vintage G.I. Joes, Johnny West action figures, model tanks, model airplanes, all of that sort of thing. The middle section of the store is more modern military, tactical equipment, uniforms, things like that. Uh, we have an extensive used book section. Cool. Uh, I have no idea how many titles we have back there, but we have, we have a lot of books. Uh, so much so, in fact, that the girl who works for me has said I'm not allowed to buy anymore. Um, but I'm, I'm probably going to ignore that. Okay. You know, cause I'm a book guy too. Yeah. Uh, so we, you know, we've got a lot of books and then, uh, the back part of the building is where the veterans museum is. Actually the, the museum has spilled out of its confines a little bit, but we, uh, we cover everything civil war up through Afghanistan and we're a regional and local veterans museum. What kind of stuff do you have in the museum? We've got, I think, around 140 uniforms or so on display. Wow. Uh, we've got weaponry. We've got just personal items, equipment, just a variety. Anything that, that we've been able to tie to a veteran and, and tell a story with. Sure. Uh, you know, unfortunately, especially like with a lot of the World War II guys, you know, you're 80 years away from the event. And if a family comes in and they bring us a coat but it doesn't have any ribbons or patches or a story or a photo or anything else. There's not really a story anymore. They've lost that story. Uh, but where we have been able to research it, come up with those things, you know, we've put it in there and try to tell that story. I would say the weirdest thing in the museum, uh, my great uncle Luke's army issued false teeth. Oh, I don't think I was expecting that. Well, <laughs> we were we were cleaning out my great aunt's home after he had passed away. And so I found this little army shaving kit bag, unzipped it, and there's two sets of dentures. That's hilarious. And I just kind of said, uh, hey, Aunt Inez, why did Uncle Luke have his false teeth in this old army bag? And she said, well, honey, those are Luther's army teeth. As opposed to his, like, everyday yeah. teeth, his civilian teeth. And I said, his army teeth. And she said, Luther grew up on a farm. He had never been to a dentist a day in his life. So when he joined the army, they pulled every tooth he had and issued oh, him those. bless his heart. So, and stamped in the gum of the dentures is the same information as his dog tag. It was a Smith, comma, Luther, and his service numbers right there. That's crazy. So, See, army teeth. You know, like you were saying, when you're a kid and you start collecting things, I am of the same cloth. Uh, but my collections are a little odd -er, and it's like the weird oddities like bones and and you know rocks and things like that so finding dentures I'd be like this is so cool <laughs> and I'd put it in like a little box and like put it on a shelf but that's that's awesome yeah they're right there in a case you know, oh, great uncle Luke's teeth I wish I would thought about this earlier I have my granddad's like full uniform from World War II and it's just like hanging in a closet with his hat I mean down to the tie and everything and I we don't I don't, he died when I was like four, so I don't know much about it. And I, my mom probably doesn't either. So I should have brought that in and been like, what can you tell me? I, I could have probably told you a little bit about it oh, for sure. Shoot. I might see if I can find a picture and send it through Dave. But, and then you also still spend some time educating, correct? Yes. Okay. So in addition to the store, 
Um, my business, the history company, initially started out as an in-school uh, living history program. So we didn't even have a building. It was just I went out and did programs at schools. Uh, so I have come and I've been to Dalton schools. I've been to schools in Chattanooga all over the area doing either Civil War programs. Um, World War One and World War Two are probably the most popular ones I get from teachers because mm -hmm. there's not a lot out there. I mean, just by nature of the area we live in, you could can't swing a dead cat and not hit a civil war reenactor somewhere yeah. i mean they're everywhere uh but for world war one and two and vietnam and those things i'm you know kind of it that was going out and doing educational programs that's kind of cool do you have anything lined up for this like coming school year i guess they just started back. they just the started back so not yet but there are a couple of schools that have used me for years now uh, to the point that, you know, I have had teenagers, because it, normally it's fifth grade programs, and I've had teenagers come up to me and say, aren't you the guy that came and yelled at us at the battlefield teaching us to march? And I'm like, possibly. Probably. Did you yeah. have fun? <laughs> because if so, then yes, I'm that guy. If you that, didn't, then no, nope, yeah, I'm not me. him. Wasn't me. It's was probably yep. some guy named Dave. Oh. Mm -hmm. Well, we all know one of them. <laughs> And then what's it been like? So where is your store located? Tell me that one more time. All right. So the store is located at 2949 Lafayette Road, uh, which is just outside Chickamauga Battlefield. Oh, that's a good location for that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That has, that's that been beneficial. That was really why we moved from the little tiny cabin of our beginnings yeah. to what... It, for anyone who has been in this area for any length of time, it is where the old McDonald's was in Fort Oglethorpe. I do not know where, where that is. Oh, but, thank goodness, but, because <laughs> everyone else comes into my building that's local especially and says, you know, this used to be the old McDonald's. It's like, yes, no, yes, I do. No, you should just start being like, was it really? Yeah, I, probably that would be better than, than the irritation I normally get. I could have sworn it was a Wendy's. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We we did find French fries that had been left in there for about 13, 14 years when we were no. cleaning it out. It's like, huh. And they're still like... <laughs> they still kind of look like, like French fries. Like gross. Yeah. No. Yeah. Uh-uh. Okay. Okay. Oh, ooh, <laughs> no. All right. Over and above that. What has it been like owning and operating a business in the community that you're in? Because you're pretty close to Dalton. Yeah. And you're pretty close to Chattanooga. Yep. So kind of within those spheres, like what has it been like owning a business there so you know aside from the the everyday panic that i think every small business owner lives with Can't all confirm. the time mm -hmm. the business itself is a lot of fun if you're me and you're you're a history guy um because i meet a lot of interesting people i i get to interact with a lot of veterans and, and get their stories you know things like that that really are what i'm interested in uh, we have done, in fact, several years ago, we came down to Dalton for a Veterans Day program and brought a big army truck and, and everything. And we've done the same with Chattanooga. Uh, we've, we've been able to get involved in Chattanooga with the local theater center where we put on a World War One play every cool. year for area fifth grades to come to. Yeah. Um, so as far as, you know, that part of the business, it, it's really been a lot of fun. I mean, I, my friends who are reenactors and history guys are like, oh, you've got the greatest job ever and it's kind of eh, it's like every other job it's though. still a job it's still a job yeah. and there are days where it's just like uh i do not want to go and maybe i'd like to call in sick but then i remember that the boss is I'm kind of a jerk yep. you know and isn't gonna let me call in sick so mm -hmm. there, there i will be you know and plugging the along. flip side too it's like yes i've turned this hobby and this thing that i really love into a job but i also don't get to depend on that like bi-weekly paycheck sometimes you're kind of like all right 
cool. I'm doing this thing. Yeah. It's a fun hobby, but now I have to figure out how to pay my bills. Yep. And yep. I mean, luckily we have seen the store grow significantly in, in terms of our sales and things. We were down, you know, for the last couple of years, we were down a little bit as everyone as everybody, was. Yeah. Um, and when, when we were kind of considered a non-essential business, uh, I will admit I'd already plotted ahead to when do we run out of money and when do we have to sell out? Yeah. And thankfully, uh, you know, Georgia kind of opened back up and we were able to get the store back up and going and, and everything worked out. So you know, still here. Yeah, that's great. I mean, I, it's been, it's also been really cool to sit and talk to people about going through that experience of the last couple of years and like how they came out of it and how they're like, it's again, like the community has been really wonderful and supportive and like, we're still going. Yeah. So. Yeah. It. Uh, but that was definitely a long, long span of time. Felt it felt like ten years it, to yes. be honest. Mm-hmm. But but you know, but yeah, that we made it through. Good. I'm glad to hear it. So I mean, I was gonna say, and maybe this is it, but like, what's been the most challenging part of ownership, and uh, how did you overcome it? Well, okay. So for me, the most challenging part of business ownership. I do not have a business background. Um, you know, I mean, I was a graphic design illustration guy. I'm a photographer. I'm like, my own. Yeah. What's a tax? And so then when I was a teacher, you know, I mean, I didn't have to worry about business. I got my paycheck. I did my job. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, I'm faced with how how do we run a business? I mean, what, what do we do here? Uh, the admin side has probably been the biggest challenge for me because it's just not what I'm geared towards. Yeah, you know, bring in some ancient helmet or a or an old musket or something. I'm your guy. Yeah, but when it comes to any of the tech stuff, like right now, we don't have an online presence. We have a website, but we don't have an online store anymore because, quite frankly, I'm not smart enough to manage it. And so we've got I've got a friend that's going to come on board, I think, and do that. But it is it is to the point amongst my friends, and the technical side of things has also been a huge challenge for me, that my nickname is Luddite Louie. Oh, no. So. Oh, and it's not, I mean, I can, I can relate to some of that. And it's not even that you're not smart enough. It's just that, like, this is just not the road my brain goes down. That is exactly it. It is, it. It is, a, it is a path, but it is covered in rocks, and I have to, like, bushwhack my way through it, like, it is not something that comes easy to me over here. Yes, I can edit and take amazing photos and I can do all of these things, but I don't, I don't want to do it all on social media and I don't want to update my website every two weeks. And I don't like, it's just for me, it's like the actual admin of it and keeping track of like the receipts and the taxes and anything that's like numbers based. I'm like, please don't. Yeah, and for me, one of the things that I've really had to try to overcome, not just in this business, but my entire existence, is that I do not do math well. Mm -mm, Um, mm -mm. And in fact, when I graduated from college, uh, I went back to visit one of my math teachers who had worked with me for literally years because at, at Chattanooga State, when I first started, we were on a quarter system. And so each quarter that I was in developmental mathematics, we would get to about the midpoint and Joyce Smith would come to me and say, Lewis, it's time for you to drop my class. Please keep coming, but you need to drop. And so we did that six times total to get me through that. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the reason I went back to see her was because I had, you know, eventually been able to get my bachelor's degree and a master's degree. And had she not worked with me, none of that would have happened. 
Uh, but I went back and I talked to her, and she said, well, she said, you have a math learning disability. And I said, no one's ever told me that. And she said, well, because they weren't testing when you were coming through school. No one would have recognized yeah. it. You would have just been the kid who had trouble with math. But she said, I can tell you as your teacher, yes, you have a math learning disability, which all of a sudden brought into focus why I reverse numbers and all of this other stuff. So as a teacher, I would run every kid's average four and five times to make sure I didn't make a mistake. Yeah. You know, but when you get into the into the business side of things now, and I'm still struggling with that. Yeah, I have people check up on me all the time to make sure I haven't messed something I, up. Same. I mean, my mother has a degree in finance, like math, like an like math degree. I don't get it. And then of like into business, I think she has a master's in business or something. I didn't get that gene at yeah. all. Like yeah. I went to three different colleges because I just bounced around a lot, and in every single one of those, I think I took algebra one or something like basic. And I had to drop it almost every time. I like barely made it through because I just, my brain doesn't function that way. Not at all. And I'm still like, my boyfriend has a five-year-old and he's like, okay, ask me math questions. And I'm like, no, no, I'm not the one. And he's like, okay, ask me really big numbers and he'll be able to just do this and he'll get the, and like both of us are sitting there doing it on our calculator or I'm like seven plus nine. Like counting oh, yeah. on my no, fingers. Oh yeah, no, I'm still. You will if if anybody ever watches, you'll see me sometimes still with my fingers All the time. trying to do that just to make sure. Yeah. And uh, yeah. so I <laughs> have never related to anything more. Well, it's <laughs> it's funny too because when I was teaching, you know, at the end of the day, you'd give the kids time to maybe start on their homework early or something. And my my math issues were so well known among the students that we had a new kid come into the room, and it's the end of the day, and he says, Mr. Varnell, can you help me with this math problem? Nope. And before I could say anything, the entire room erupts. And <laughs> I'm like, no, do not ask him anything. You will fail that class. <laughs> so, like, yeah, yeah, they're, they're not wrong. No, yep, they can help you. You guys can talk amongst yourselves because <laughs> exactly it's not exactly what me. I did. Yep. Oh, no, I, I completely understand that. And then kind of on the flip side of that question, what has been the most rewarding part of the whole thing so you know it's there's actually several things and and i will admit that if we won the lottery that you know i would probably turn the entire place into a museum with a gift shop um because it would let me tell more stories so i'd say the most rewarding things have been a continuing to preserve those stories especially uh, we've got several stories represented of men that were killed in action in world war ii these guys have been gone for 80 years no one remembers them yeah you know even in their own family the people who knew them have probably passed away by now so that's been a huge part of it for me uh, is rescuing history the other thing is still the kids because our store has become sort of a destination location for a lot of kids who are into military history. All, you know, all little boys and some little girls love Army stuff, and so they'll come in. Well, you know, they're buying G.I. Joes, they're getting books, they're doing this, I'm talking to them, you know, and now I've got relationships with some of them where they come in, I know them on a first-name basis. One of the kids, he started coming in when he was probably 11 or 12, and he has graduated high school and is looking at going to West Point. Wow. You know, and has become an, a friend, actually. Yeah. I mean, we, a friend we pick on mercilessly. I feel like that um, just runs in your friend group. It, yeah, it pretty much does. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, that's been it. Those relationships, and, and especially with the kids, kind of seeing that next generation and helping them out a little bit yeah. and, and getting them interested. 
That's cool. Because if they're not, then all of the stuff I have collected in a museum, one of these days, winds up in a dump somewhere. Someone has to care after I'm not here. Yeah, there will be someone. I mean, there's a little you out there somewhere that's like, I don't want to start a business, but I can take this one. (laughs) Those poor parents. Yeah. And the funny thing about the business is had you asked me as a child, Lewis, what would you like to grow up and do? Uh, It would have been one of two things. You know, one, be in the Marine Corps like my dad or be a guy who owns an army store because I just thought that would be the coolest job ever once I became an adult I'm like well that's ludicrous I mean there's no way I'm gonna own my own army store and that's crazy Mm -hmm. and yet here we are oh again I can fully relate as a kid I'm like I want to be an archaeologist (laughs) no guys I think there's math involved in that no I and like maybe for a year of my life I was like I learned how to use this camera I'm gonna be a photographer and then I got older and I'm like that's not realistic well, here we are. Yep. So I think that's kind of cool. And I mean, it's a little bit inspirational for other kids too, to be able to tell that. It's like, I was interested in this as a kid. I never thought it could be a possibility as a job or a career or a life path. And suddenly here you are. Yeah, it, it is. And the funny thing is, because I do get asked a lot, you know, Lewis, what got you into, into this? And so I go back to my dad. So my dad, would, when he would wear shorts had some pretty significant scars on on his leg we had the exact same birthmark so as a kid i'm like why do we have the same birthmark but i don't have these big chunks missing out of my leg Mm -hmm. my dad really wouldn't talk about it but once he did you know and he told me he'd been a marine in world war ii I'm fascinated by that now as a kid because my dad's my hero. And then I saw a John Wayne movie called Sands of Iwo Jima. And he was a Marine and, you know, in the movie. And it's like, oh, my dad's like John Wayne. This is the most fascinating thing ever. And that really is where it all started. You know, I I told my dad once, I said, had you not been in the Second World War, my entire life path would have probably been different. Because that, but that's what sparked it for me. There's always some kind of spark. I mean... Which is really cool. And my dad, who, you know, my dad was pretty funny about the whole thing. I did a play based on my father's experiences in World War II. And on his 90th birthday, uh, we were celebrating his birthday that weekend, but his birthday fell during the week, I think on a Friday, when we were going to be doing the play. And I said, well, Dad, I've got to go and, and do the play tonight. And he said, now, what is it you're doing again? And I said, well, Dad, I'm doing this World War II play. I said, look, basically, I'm pretending to be you. Mm-hmm. you know? And he looked at me, and he said, well, son, when I was me, I was skinnier and better looking. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> like, well, thanks. Thanks a lot, Dad. <laughs> you okay. You couldn't just be like, thanks, son. Yeah. yeah. You couldn't just leave it there. Yeah, I have parents. Um, And then out of, well, a couple of ideas. One, you should start a podcast telling all the stories that you've collected. We have talked about About, that. mm -hmm. Uh, In fact, it's funny, former uh, students of mine have contacted me because we're all friends on Facebook. It's like the only good thing about Facebook is I've watched my kids grow up that I taught. And several of them have been like, man, I miss having you for history. And, you know, do you think maybe you could do a podcast? And I'm just like, that would involve technology. So unless we Not can do this with... Not if you have other people to do <laughs> yeah. it for you. <laughs> two, two tin cans and a string. Shameless so. plug. Yes. Yeah, yes. I think that would be super cool. And it's a really great way to get him out of your head somewhere researchable almost well no and you're right about that because one of the problems and this has been pointed out to me by several friends on a lot of the artifacts in the museum where i have not taken the time to write down the label copy Mm -hmm. i'm the only one who knows yeah 
And so that, you know, a few years ago, that wasn't such a big deal. Uh, not that I'm, you know, saying I'm ancient at 53, but all of a sudden you're like, huh. But it, I mean, yeah. one day it becomes one of those things like in losing my dad, we, there were stories my dad used to tell constantly. And to the point where my mom and I were like, yes, we know, we know the end of the story. We can tell it for you. <laughs> you, we really don't have to go down. You're like, you, we're good. And then in losing him, there are times where I call my mom and I'm like, do you remember this thing that dad used to say? Like, how did this story go? What was it? And like, we never got him to write it down because I don't think even if he did, either of us could read his handwriting. <laughs> so we're now like kind of trying to scratch for these stories. And I'm like, we should have just had him record them. Yep. Um, I got very fortunate on that at the 50th anniversary of the end of World War II. Um, we sat down with my dad with an old VHS camcorder, oh. so that tells you how long ago that was. And we, I tried to interview him. Mm -hmm. And my dad was so nervous on camera that he told the entire Second World War in less than 10 minutes. Oh, bless him. And I'm just like, man, you've got better stories than this. you know. So we flipped the camera off, and we're just sitting around talking. And then dad relaxes, and he starts telling stories, and we flip the camera back on. Now, unfortunately, the first story that he comes back on telling is so profane and coarse. It's an awesome Marine Corps story. Sure. But nothing I could use in a fifth-grade classroom. No, I was about to be like, for select ever. audiences only. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, but in I kept that VHS tape forever. And then finally, because technology has moved forward and, and things have become more affordable, uh, I was able last year to have a guy take that VHS tape, restore it digitally, and put together a DVD of my dad telling his stories. And then we shot a second part where I told all the stories that dad had told me, but he didn't tell that day. That's awesome. And so we've got that now for my kid who yeah. was born after my dad has passed away. So she'll get to hear her grandfather and hear his stories. I think that's great. I think that... Except that, maybe that one. We might fast forward well, to that one. Well, yeah. Or just wait till she's a little older <laughs> yeah. and like have the go like, okay, so you can't repeat any of Ever. this. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it's... I wish more people would do that. Like there was a story my dad used to tell when I was a kid. And he, so I, my dad was 55 when I was born. So a good bit older for a dad. And so he would tell the story about like when he was a little kid going home with a friend of his while, you know, his dad was at work or whatever. And he's like, yeah, we would sit on the floor at the feet of his, of this kid's granddad in his rocking chair and listen to stories about the war. And I was like, Oh cool. Like I'm a little kid when he's telling me this and I'm like, I don't care. And then I get older and he's, you know, telling me the same stories. And he's like, yeah, we listened to about the war. And I'm like, you're 50. How, what, what war? And he's like, the Civil War. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? Because like in my brain, that was yeah, hundreds of years ago. Like it, you know, it, it was forever ago. And I was like, excuse me? And so like, that's one of those things that I wish I had recordings of, of like, even this person who I don't know, I don't know his friend. He doesn't remember his friend's name, whatever. But like, even getting the stories that he had from this guy who I have no connection to would have been really cool. Yeah, and it you know it's one of those things. I remember as a kid, the Armed Forces Day Parade in Chattanooga had two World War One veterans that would march, Whew. and then one year there were only you know there's one, mm -hmm. and then none. Well, if, as years have passed, we've now lost every single person on planet Earth who saw combat in World War One. Yeah, 
and and I have just in my lifetime seen that generation go away. And in the in the case of the World War II guys, I mean that was my dad's generation, and of course my dad passed at ninety, and all of those guys are now in their nineties, late nineties, and they're going to be gone one day. And those stories are going to be now. What did Daddy say about? Yep. Uh, so that's that's one reason why it's become, I guess, my little mini crusade to preserve as many of those stories as we can. Yeah, I think that's great. Good for you. That's awesome. You know, and and the podcast idea, that's not a bad idea. I am just saying, like, you know. we can make it happen. <laughs> um, and then kind of to round it out, I'm curious what in, in just sort of maybe a Reader's Digest version is the most interesting story you think you have? Oh boy! That's, Sorry. That's, now, well, I should have prepared you for that. <laughs> no, that you know, part of it. I guess my, you know, my dad's story is always my go-to story. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got so many stories in there. Like just the other day, I had a, a grouping come in from a guy who he enlisted in Fort Oglethorpe, Georgia. Uh, he ends up being a tail gunner on B-17s. His very first mission, you know, hey kid, welcome to the war, is June 6, 1944, D-Day, bombing the coast of France 15 minutes before the invasion waves hit. All that stuff was found in a storage unit that went up for auction because the whoever was paying for it evidently passed away. All that was going to be gone. You know, I've got a medal at the shop that was found at the Catoosa County dump, and it's for a kid from Chattanooga who was killed in 1943. Somebody cleaned out the house at some point, and all that went to the dump. Somebody found the metal and thought, maybe I can make a couple of bucks with this, and came to me. Um, you know, so you've got so many stories like that. In my case, my dad, and, and kind of going back to the, the scars in his legs, my dad had joined the Marine Corps because he had punched out two police officers hmm. and was given the option of joining the Marine Corps or going and sitting in Silverdale County Jail. And so he, he ends up in, in the Marine Corps because my granddaddy had been a Marine in World War One. so dad followed his path. Um, and dad served for 26 months overseas. On the last island he landed on, which was Lady in the Philippines, they are overrun that night. Uh, my dad got bayoneted in the chest twice. Uh, leg got slashed. There, he said there were Japanese everywhere, and he's fighting with them in the dark, trying to get away because, as he put it, being stabbed really hurt. Uh, oh, um, okay. And so, so, you know, he's he's trying to get away, and as he's fighting his way through this pile of, of Japanese, one of them fires a pistol, goes through his arm. The noise alerts the American machine gunners that something's going on. They cut loose. Dad takes two machine gun bullets through the legs. Down he goes. And so this fight, of course, continues through the evening. The Japanese had been infiltrating, and they were killing what were known as your listening post, which is your outer line of defense. And Dad was out on the on the LP line, and he just happened to not get killed. I mean, he, he was able to survive it and let everyone know by getting shot and stabbed repeatedly mm-hmm. that something was going on. But when, when Dad got taken to the hospital um he ended up in six different naval hospitals through you know through that next year um he is discharged from uh, jacksonville florida and his records i was able to get his records from the national archives and so it says you know it's got all of the things about my dad's wounds and them being infected and things like that but it said that his left leg would never improve past where it was then and they i mean my dad was basically paralyzed on one side uh, on that leg and was told he would not work again he would probably get 100 percent disability and my father said no yeah 
And so he taught himself to walk again and went back to climbing poles for the electric power board in Chattanooga. Oh, what a life. I mean, what a heck of a guy. And I mean, probably one of the toughest men I've ever known in my life. And I remember at 87, we were sitting on the back, uh, we we're sitting on the back porch. And all of a sudden he grabbed his leg and made a grunt. And I said, you know, dad, you okay? And he's like, son, every once in a while, that old bullet hole lets me know it's there. Oh. So that long after, it would still give him trouble. Oh, sure. But he never complained. I love that. Well, it hurt. Getting, I'm like just so cavalier about like <laughs> yeah. it just it hurt a little bit hurt a little bit yeah you know that's cool yeah you should but that's my you know that was the story that really started everything yeah that's awesome you know I've always told people when I asked my dad once and this was a line in the play you know I said well dad you know how do you feel about being a member of the greatest generation and and all of those things and, and I asked him once if he was a hero and he said I wasn't no hero he said now if they gave medals for being terrified I'd have had a chest full <laughs> you know and, and on the greatest generation he said son he's the greatest generation my hind end all we did was go and do our jobs and come home and I, I told people I said that's why they're the greatest generation they don't I've, see it as anything special. No, I feel like you would be hard-pressed to find that many people that genuinely thought this is exciting and brave and whatever. You just have a bunch of kids yep. signing up and going because they're like, this is my duty. This is what I was taught to do. Am I terrified? Yes. yes. Will I not make it home? Quite possibly. You well, know, of the, just go do it. Of the four aviators that I have already artifacts from uh, that all enlisted at Fort Oglethorpe, three of them did not come back. I'm going to stay here. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just going to sit right here in my cushy little chair. <laughs> oh, Lord. All right. Do you have anything <coughs> coming up for the shop and the museum that you want anyone to know about? Um, we don't really have anything coming up anytime soon because we have done our big event for the year. On Memorial Day weekend on that Saturday, we do a military timeline. So we have Revolutionary War all the way up through Iraq, Afghanistan, represented out in our parking lot. We'll have vehicles and things like that. That's our event. Okay. Um, now, after that, we go to a lot of events. So like Veterans Day, I'll be at Alvin C. York State Park out in the hinterlands of Tennessee okay. uh, doing a World War One program. Cool. And, you know, so we do a lot of things like that. We would like to develop educational programming at the shop and we are slowly moving towards making the museum a nonprofit, which would allow us to do some things like that and get some funding that would be awesome because right now it's sort of hard to do an educational program when you're the only guy that's answering the phone ringing people up answering questions yeah. sweeping the floor you, you can know etc et so et many jobs Yep. But uh, but we're hoping that that would really let us go into that next level of being able to do programming at our location. Good. That would be super cool. Yeah, that would be awesome. You've already told us where we can find you like physically. Mm -hmm. um, remind everyone of the address one more time. All right. It is 2949 Lafayette Road, Fort Oglethorpe, Georgia. Okay. And then where can they find you online? Uh, you can go to thehistorycompany.net. Uh, that's our informational website. You, when you get there, and it'll ha probably have a page with a whole lot of photo coming soon. That's the sales part okay. that we shut down, but there, there's some other parts there you can look at. And then we're also on Facebook as the History Company. Cool. So if you have a school or, you know, kids you want to bring in, that's where you can find them. That's it. Cool. Well, Lewis, thank you for being here. Well, thank you. Um, you got anything else you want to share? I can't think of a thing. I mean, there's a lot more stories, but, sure, but that, we'll that save might be that for, for the your podcast. own podcast. That'll be it. Okay. 
All right. Well, then that's it. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Thanks for hanging out with us today here at the H2B Creative Fuse podcast. Be sure to hit subscribe, whether you listen on Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, or Stitcher. H2B Creative is located in downtown Dalton and is here to assist with all of your marketing needs. Check us out at h2bcreative.com or creativefusepodcast.com or any of our social channels. Until next time, stay creative.